So there's good news and bad news this morning. The good news is that we're doing baptisms. So we're going to hear from those who are being baptised in just a moment. Uh, The bad news is because we're doing baptisms, the talk is only going to be ten minutes. And because we're doing baptisms, I've only got ten minutes, so there's no jokes. I'm so glad you sounded disappointed. I was a bit worried about that. So in the time that I've got, I've just got time to share a few thoughts about baptism. Why we do this strange and slightly embarrassing thing in front of all these people. So the first reason is because Jesus told us to. Now, no one really likes being told what to do nowadays, do we? We don't mind a bit of advice, so long as it's on a take-it-or-leave-it basis. But nowadays, we tend to think that we should decide what's right for us, don't we? And, and that's fine so far as human advice is concerned. But it doesn't work so well when it comes to Jesus being Lord of our lives. Because we can only really say that we're a follower of Jesus if we're willing to follow what he says. Our lives tend to end up in a mess when we're in a combination of the lordship of Jesus and the lordship of me all mixed up together. At the very end of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, the very last thing Jesus says to his disciples is this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to be doing in a moment, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So the first reason we're doing what we're doing today is that by being baptized, we're doing what Jesus told us to. We're saying that we are people who want to do what Jesus says. The second reason is that that's what they did in the early church. Unsurprisingly, they did what Jesus told them to do. The book of Acts uh, in the New Testament is like a, a short history of the early church. And the very first sermon that we see recorded there is from Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. And basically uh, what happens is that one day the Holy Spirit comes powerfully and people's lives are being touched by God and he's showing them that he's real and people want to respond to what's happening. They want to respond to God. So they say to Peter and the other disciples, what do we need to do? Tell us what to do. Because they knew that deciding to follow Jesus isn't just changing our beliefs. We actually have to do something about it. And that's actually what we want to see happening at Ellsbury Vineyard. We want to see God doing stuff in people's lives, showing them that he's real, and them then asking us that question. What do we need to do? Tell us what to do. So that it's not about us trying to persuade people about anything. We allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does in people's lives and then we just answer the question. Which is what Peter does in this passage. And three things he says. Number one, repent. Number two, be baptised. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And number three, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life. And notice that it's not just some of us, not just a few of us, it says every one of us. 
Now, this word repent is a bit of an old-fashioned religious kind of word, isn't it? But uh, all it means is simply changing direction in life. It means stop living one way and start living another. It means stop walking that way as you have been and start walking this way instead. So it's a, a doing something kind of a word, not just a believing something kind of word. Becoming a follower of Jesus means walking his way and doing it properly. And that means laying aside anything that we're following at the moment, which is incompatible with following Jesus as well. And the reason for repenting and being baptized is, as it says in this verse, for the forgiveness of sins. Now, sin is another one of those um, old-fashioned religious kind of words, isn't it? But all that means is the things that we think, the things that we do, and the things that we say which are incompatible with being a follower of Jesus. Things that Jesus wouldn't think or do or say. Things that don't sit comfortably with God being our father and Jesus being our brother. Things that would embarrass the family name into which we've been adopted as part of his family. And of course, the longer that we have spent in life thinking and doing and saying those kind of things, the more baggage that we've accumulated. So the more of that sin that there is. And just like with anything else that we do in life, when we do stuff that's harmful, there are consequences to that. And the Bible pictures those consequences of sin in a number of ways. For example, Isaiah 59 says, your sins have cut you off from God. Because sin builds a barrier between us and God. It's like a wall that we can't get round and we can't get over. Another consequence is that it stains our lives. It makes us dirty before God. It says in the Psalms, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So baptism is asking Jesus to forgive me by washing away that stain of sin. And then the New Testament promises us that Jesus washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So that that barrier can be broken, those stains can be washed away if we just repent and receive And then the third reason is because baptism is what's called a sacrament, like communion. Communion is also a sacrament. And sacrament sounds like another religious word, doesn't it? But it's it's actually very simple. A sacrament is something that has three features. It's something that Jesus told us to do in the Bible. It's something that we physically take part in doing. And it's something that the Bible says has spiritual significance for us when we do it, where God himself will meet with us in a special way. In other words, when we do this sacrament, this physical thing in obedience to Jesus, something special happens spiritually in our lives. Sacrament comes from the same root as sacred. So it's like a sacred moment between us and God where God himself is present in some mysterious way when we do it. 
The technical term for a sacrament is that the blessing of God is mediated to us through it. In other words, it's like the delivery vehicle to bring God's presence and God's blessing. And that's what we're praying for this morning for these guys when they're being baptised. And then finally, there is a symbolism in baptism, in what it represents and in what it's picturing. So being baptised is like taking part in a drama of your own life where you're acting out physically something that's happening in your life spiritually. Now, if you've been a Christian for a few years, you've probably heard lots of talks about baptism. And you probably knew all of these verses that I've just shared. So in the last couple of minutes, let me just try and tell you a few things that you might not know. Because we like everyone who comes to Aylesbury Vineyard to feel that they're getting value for money. And if you already know everything that I'm about to say, then come and tell me afterwards and we'll give you a bar of chocolate. So the Greek word in the New Testament from which we get our verb to baptise, and if you didn't know, the, the New Testament was written in Greek because that was the lingua franca of the day, a bit like English is nowadays. And this uh, Greek verb to baptise was bapto. And bapto meant to dip or to immerse. And the main way that this word was used in secular Greek was to describe dyeing a piece of cloth. That's dyeing, spelt D-Y-E. Dipping it into a dye to change its colour. And that kind of reminds me of what it says in Isaiah 1 in the Old Testament. Though your sins are like scarlet, says the Lord, I will make them as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Now, I'm no expert on dyeing stuff, but according to Google, so it must be right, dyeing a red garment white is impossible in human terms. Uh, It says there's no such thing as white dye because dye can only add to the colour of the object you're dyeing, never make it lighter. But God is saying when you immerse your life in me, when you repent and you go down into the waters of baptism, then by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will do what would normally be impossible. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And then finally, the other two common ways in which this Greek word bapto was used were to describe the drowning of a person and the sinking of a ship. Uh, which it sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? That's not, very, not a very cheery way to end the talk. Um, but actually, they're both pretty cool ideas because sinking a ship means sending it to the bottom of the ocean. And that's a kind of a nice way of, of picturing what happens to our sin when God sends that to the bottom of the ocean. Now apparently, the... Uh, Deepest ocean is in the Pacific, and it's seven miles down, 36,000 feet, which is about as high as a passenger plane flies above the earth. And that seven miles down is way too deep to ever be salvaged and brought back up again. And then the drowning of a person is what's uh, happening to our old life when we're baptised. 
Now, I mean that metaphorically, of course. Uh, we've obviously done a full risk assessment. Um, but, you know, it says uh, in Romans 6 that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. So as we go down into the water and we come up again, we are exchanging one kind of life for another kind. We're dying to our old life without God and being raised into a new life with God. It says in Colossians 2 that you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Your old life was buried and with him you were raised to a new life. So we are not just taking part in Jesus' death. We're not just identifying with him dying on the cross. We're also taking part in his resurrection. As it says in one of the verses we looked at earlier, Jesus washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life and a new start through the Holy Spirit. So if you knew all of that about this Greek word bapto, come and collect your chocolate after the service. Uh, And if you're under the age of 18, I'm not doubting your integrity here, but I am aware of the power of chocolate, so I may need parental verification of that. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to be hearing now from those who are being baptised about what it means to them and what brought them to this point in their lives.